Hey, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kelly. And we've been friends for 15 years. We're the hosts of Meet Cute and Mistletoe, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the most ridiculous aspects of today's holiday romance movies. We met while working at a publishing company and became friends through our shared love of sci-fi dramas and rom-coms, especially those Christmas ones. Years ago, I started hosting Christmas movie nights at my house where the festivities moved from drinking games to full-on bingo, calling out the common tropes and themes of these formulaic love stories. But with this year's pandemic, the holiday season looks a bit different. We might not be able to meet up in person, but we can still have a good time. The Christmas party has gone digital and you're invited. So grab a warm blanket and a cup of hot cocoa and cozy up with us while we discuss this week's meet cute. Hi, Lindsay here. And I'm Kelly. This week, we dusted off the fairy tale books for a modern telling of a Cinderella Christmas, where girl meets boy, girl caters for boy, boy decides to get married in two weeks, and the entire set budget goes to poinsettia decorations. It's available right now on both Hulu and Amazon Prime, if you want to watch along, and if you haven't already, we hope that you'll download a free bingo card from our website, which we're hoping is adding an extra layer of fun to your holiday rom-com watching experience this year. And as an added bonus, they can make a great addition to any other in-home Christmas romance movie viewing in case you're looking for new couch-approved COVID-safe activities during this time. The bingo cards are PDFs that are posted on our meetcuteandmistletoe.com website, where you can follow the links on our social, on Twitter at MC Mistletoe Pod and all other social at Meet Cute and Mistletoe. Just be sure to select the Cinderella edition bingo cards for this movie. The Cinderella edition is a another one of our like special side genres that tends to creep up a lot in these rom-com movies so it seemed like it was only fitting that we made a bingo specifically for that so play along as you watch the movie on your own we will be calling out all the tropes here as we discuss which means of course spoilers ahead but save the center square for the end when we will be deciding on the most over-the-top moment of the film But before we get to recapping, I want to know what special treat you made, Kelly, that will rival that of our Cinderella party planner. (laughs) Uh, I don't think it should be of any surprise to anyone of what I made this week. I really don't know if it's Angie's beefy puffs or her lips that Nicholas (laughs) fell for first. (laughs) Uh, Both were meaty. Both were meaty. (laughs) These beefy puffs are amazing. My spin is filled with all the components of a Hungarian goulash. Uh, Remember, this dish was mentioned at the chef special at the 80 Days restaurant that uh, Angie frequents. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. 
Hungarian goyash is a beef stew that has carrots, parsnips, and potatoes, and it's seasoned with paprika. This filling is rich and beefy, of course, and the homemade rough puff pastry is deliciously buttery and flaky. There's even a vegetarian option available for you guys. I made this version vegetarian at my house, and it's just as good. Uh, you can check it out on our website at meetcuteandmistletoe.com. Also, if you really want to get a guy to propose to you in two weeks flat, <laughs> feed him some beefy pops, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the big takeaway from this movie. <laughs> Um, well, now that we've got our beefy puffs and bingo cards ready, let's settle in for a Cinderella Christmas. Act one, overworked and underappreciated, a story for our times. We start off and I think, oh, goody, another Mar Vista movie. Yes. Should we know this skyline, though? Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell. Was this L.A.? <laughs> I feel Southern like I California. Yeah. <laughs> definitely so we, Yeah, it definitely seemed very so cold. We open up palm trees, but also a low mountaintop. And it looks about 100 degrees, like all movie long. So I have no clue where this movie is set, but I'm guessing somewhere in California. And the Santa in the opening image looks like he must be sweating bullets. <laughs> We open on Annie, our Cinderella-style heroine, toiling away in the kitchen, whispering sweet nothings to Jenny the bunny, who's apparently her best friend. Dare I say maybe almost her only friend? Uh, They may have taken the Disney princess is a friend to all animals stereotype unnecessarily far in this movie, I feel like. I'd say even too far. (laughs) I don't understand why Jenny the bunny was in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Candace, her awful cousin, saunters in, poking fun at how hard she works for their family catering and party planning business and gushing about all the presents she's going to buy herself for Christmas. Angie thoughtfully announces that she plans to ask to buy her uncle out of the business with her savings and estate money from her parents' ambiguous death. Candace acts all supportive, which is how we know she absolutely, obviously, is not. Angie's cater helper friends pump her up for the conversation with her uncle, saying how nice she is and how hard she's worked to deserve it, despite how utterly awful Candace has been. So when her uncle announces he's gifting the company to both of them, I'm surprised that Angie is surprised. Like how long has she known her cousin really? (laughs) cousin. She's lived with her for, since she was six. Come on. (sighs) Candace quickly makes a deal with her work overtime doing everything she says until Candace marries Rich and then the company is all hers. (laughs) Is that all? (laughs) And they've got just the setting to make it happen. The big Christ masquerade ball. Yes, you heard that right. It is a Christ masquerade ball at the home of Nicholas Carmichael. Okay, I need to stop us here. Real talk, which do you think came first? the script for this movie or the idea for the term Chris masquerade. 
<laughs> I I'm just envisioning the writers room right now. <laughs> oh my god, you think there was more than one writer in a room for this? <laughs> That's so nice of you. Wait, wait. Chris Masquerade. It sounds like Christmas. We've got to do a movie about this. One word. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. Someone like thought of that word and then wrote an entire script around it. That's my theory, at least. So Nicholas Carmichael immediately mistakes Candace as the hashtag girl boss of their catering business. I guess because she looks like she's never worked a day in her life. It's really unclear. And it's obvious that no one in this movie actually knows the work that's involved in running an event planning and catering business because that is some hard work. Like he in... (laughs) I need to interject here from experience working... <laughs> in any sort of food service and event planning business it's incredibly unrealistic to me how angie wears all of the hats she conceptualizes the events she cooks the food she sets up the decor and even on a smaller scale there is no chance in hell she'd be able to pull all that all of that up by herself and still look that good and well rested there's no way there's no way She's on cocaine. (laughs) Probably. I mean, she talks to her bunny. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. She, um, the fact that she's like mildly like disheveled and that's how we know that she's the hard worker compared to her cousin who's in high heels all of the time. Like, I'm just like, this is written by people who've never talked to someone who works in any sort of event planning or catering work. Absolutely. Uh, You like, come on, dude, (laughs) hire a consultant, (laughs) hire a consultant. They could have hired me (laughs) to consult for the movie. (laughs) Can I help you? Yeah. Let me help you. It's obvious. They just don't care. Look at what this job is. Yeah. And it would, like, that's something that can just up the quality just a little bit more. So we're not, like, distracted by it. Yeah. Anyways, he immediately inappropriately flirts with Candace and then invites her to the party that she's throwing, which seemed odd to me, as his guest. So she ditches setup to get ready for the ball while Nicholas walks into the other room to argue with his mother about accepting his proposal to run the family business, which she refuses because he's not married. (laughs) (laughs) It's murky logic. Um, But basically his mom says if he considers a marriage proposal, she'll consider his business proposal. I went back and rewatched this like that scene like three times yeah. and still was no clearer on this is like a obviously trying to be a big point of it and I was yeah. still just so unclear as to what was going on very weird plot point um 
hi, can we talk about the fact that his mother has an English accent and we just never address it? Not at all. What? (laughs) No one else in this movie has an accent of any kind. They're all like, I guess, Southern Californians. And then we don't know who or where his dad is. Did they mention that his dad died or something? I believe that his dad passed away, but they don't talk about that at all. I don't know. I feel like maybe the dad was American and... She definitely, like, looked down her nose upon people. I think they, like, they used it as a, like, an elitist device, you know? Mm -hmm. That she's, Mm -hmm. that they're this posh family and, uh, you know, clearly look at... (laughs) Look at their wealth. (laughs) Behold, dozens and dozens of square footage. (laughs) It's behind a gate, so you know they're rich. Yeah. Nick has a very unlikely heart-to-heart with his best friend, who's also his personal assistant who tells him that he's just dating superficial women who tell him what he wants to hear. And that, quote unquote, the woman of your dreams may be a little harder to find. Um, Maybe it's just because I've seen the movie poster, but the fact that his event planner from the other room right now in the movie is in his like arms in that poster. Somehow I doubt that this girl's going to be, quote unquote, hard to find (laughs) Um, did you also find his heart-to-heart bromance conversations with his friend to be unrealistic or was it just me no it's completely unrealistic guys don't talk like that i felt like it's a conversation between men that women would think men would have in the history of ever has had this conversation Um, Angie quite literally barrels into Nick's bare chest (laughs) while finishing decorations when he comes back from a run. And then she rushes off to pick up Candace's dress for the event. She's fairy godmothered by the dressmaker slash designer slash shop owner woman of all tailoring trades who apparently has been making a dress specifically for Angie for like months while she's been watching her from afar going to her favorite restaurant (laughs) and the cemetery to go visit her parents. (laughs) I'm just going to throw that out that that is a red flag. (laughs) You want to know where all the singing mice are. (laughs) (laughs) That would have made this movie amazing. (laughs) Her tailor godmother convinces her to try on the dress, but she's adamant that it's for Candace and, uh, you know, she can't, she can't, keep the dress it's going to candace and that is until candace calls freaked out over a chemical peel that has gone wrong and is no longer able to go to the party but if candace isn't able to have a ball neither is angie so she forbids angie from going and you know blah blah cinderella blah kind of stuff angie's waiting at the salon when Candace breaks this news, but she's already prepaid, and some quote about temptation convinces her to give in. And what the hell? Angie's going to the ball. So we naturally conclude this very 
very jam-packed first act with a makeover scene as Angie prepares to break some extremely flimsy and arbitrarily set rules. I would love to bring one more thing up that I thought was really funny in this section. Candace thinks that S hooks are ornaments and I found that hilarious. <laughs> she's like, look, holding these, these hooks in her hand. And she's like, I can't believe people think you have a knack for this. These ornaments are hideous. <laughs> I loved that. She has some quite like some very witty line one liners. Candace is, she's hilarious in this movie. Yes. Like she, I mean, she, She's exactly as awful as you would expect the char- the character to be, but she, I think she's really funny in her delivery. Yeah. I would maybe dare to say that she's the best actor in the movie. Mm. Um, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> the bar is low. <laughs> uh, anything else that you would like to bring up before we head into bingo? Yes. Go for it. <laughs> okay. In the opening scene where we see Angie baking, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there were legit, I mean, I'm guessing, Pepperidge Farm Milano cookies. Oh my God, that's all I could see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course, our resident chef here is going to call this out immediately. (laughs) They like even went, they even went so far as to smudge a little bit of melted chocolate on it Mm -hmm. to make it look homemade. Yeah. (laughs) It was bad. I thought that was hilarious. I saw it and was like, I've had those cookies before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> Anything else? Um, just, re- uh, do we, is it safe to assume that Angie has never seen a, a naked man before? <laughs> She has such an awkward response when she runs into him. Like, how dare he be out running shirtless? My God. He was hyperventilating. (laughs) And he's like, how's it looking? Like, talking about the party. And she's like, what? She was discombobulating. (laughs) (laughs) So, bingo. There's a lot. There's a lot of bingo just in this first opening act of the movie. There's a lot of ground being set for the movie, a lot of information given, and a lot of um, plot points are started and covered. So for the bingo section, we've got, in no specific particular order, but in the opening credits, we have a Santa suit and reindeer. Then we go straight to some baking. We've got a cute pet. We establish that Angie is a workaholic. She has some dead loved ones. Her family, uh, her world Candace is disapproving. And then I think it's also safe to say that we've got disapproving family on Nicholas's side with his mother. For sure. And then... I think also given the ultimatum that his mother has made in order for his uh, his work proposal to be approved, 
that's some unreasonable boss being unreasonable right For there. sure. But like <laughs> Candace is also an unreasonable boss. That is a very good point. Totally. We have token diversity with the best friends of everyone. We've got the basically anyone who isn't a lead and has a minor speaking role is the only place that they are thinking about casting people who are not just white people, unfortunately. Uh, Then we have a shirtless hottie, as we've already discussed, and a makeover. All of those just from the typical rom-com tropes. Then we get into the Cinderella tropes. We've got a lazy sibling. We have helper friends. We have an overbearing parent. We've got our lead girl looking disheveled in front of the hottie. (laughs) We've toted out a blue dress, a Cinderella (laughs) blue dress. (laughs) And we've topped it off with so much sparkle. (laughs) More to come too. (laughs) (laughs) Act two, we go rolling right into act two. Um, titled Balling in Love and Angie is floating on cloud nine to the big event when Candace calls and catches wind of Angie's party plans she better not hear that anyone saw her at the event she says but don't worry because that's what the mask is for no one will see her at the event wink (laughs) wink what could go wrong um Okay, I want to stop us here. When she pulls up to the castle, I'm sorry, I'm calling it a castle. When she pulls up to the house, did you notice that it has like a castle style tower? I hadn't yet noticed it. Oh, you know, I noticed that shit. (laughs) It looks like they pulled it from the storage room of a high school theater department's prop room. And then just set it up in the back. Like, they just hoisted there's it. There's a tower. There's a, there's a castle tower in what the background. The fuck? Which I don't even know if there's, there's got to be like an architectural term for whatever that like stepped design is that, that like squared etched design. But that is something that is only ever seen in like a fairy tale castle. And I don't really see that being common in architecture in Southern California. (laughs) No, like, I think that part of the decor was that they rented this, this prop, this like (laughs) setting prop from the local high school. And like added it rather than like finding a house that was the perfect house with a castle moat in the background. (laughs) Um, Also, I'm really confused as to why a party planner wouldn't already be at the party that like working it in some capacity did that seem weird to you exactly yeah exactly i mean we discussed this like earlier but dude she is wearing way too many hats and she is running around the city booking all of these last minute appointments for for uh candace's beauty you know regiment or whatever uh and then has time to get her own makeover Uh who in the hell is setting up this fucking party (laughs) who's setting it up 
she has two servers working. That's like, it. That's working the rounds at the party. And then she's just supposed to be there at midnight to shut it down. That just seemed so unrealistic to me. And for them to be like, Candace is so honored to be invited to her own party that she's throwing. Right. <laughs> and and then Angie is like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be invited to the party that I, like, I understand, like, you want to get invited, but, like, you could be at this party. Like, just go stand outside and work at the party that you've thrown. It seemed really weird to me. There have been many, like, parties that I've catered that I've actually worked at, and it's like you're a part of the party. You're in it, you know? Right. You don't – I don't know. Well, Hire anyways. a consultant next time for the sequel. <laughs> hire me, Marvista. Actually, seriously, hire us, Marvista. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, Angie walks into the Christmas masquerade that she single-handedly planned and decorated, and yet she still has legit stars in her eyes actually seeing it as she's walking around, which seemed really odd to me. Also, mm-hmm. She selects a Christmas stocking from the wall of stockings for a party game, then hugs it tenderly as our Prince Nicholas Carmichael introduces himself and says, they've chosen each other and won the game. So, okay, this game. Everyone brings a unique stocking filled with five things that only have value to you. It's Angie's favorite party idea that she's ever had. And it's also what Nick finds so clever about this party that it makes him want to invite Candace, who I, you know, whose idea he thought it was. Yeah. And so it's like a huge catalyst for literally everything. Um, so naturally they fall in love over stockings. <laughs> it just was like so cheesy um and then the it's like if two people you're randomly going to select a stocking and you know everyone else at the party is randomly going to select and if two people have managed to select each other's stocking then they win it just seemed like first of all how are you going to find out whose stocking it is second of all what if a whole bunch of people choose each other's stockings? Third of all, what if nobody does? Or what if someone has the same looking stocking? Right? Oh <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I like paused it on the him holding up the stocking and like looking it over lovingly at one point. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are like threads coming out of the bottom of the stocking. I was just like, oh my gosh, what? Set design, what? <laughs> it's like this just it's basically just like blue silk and then it has a weird long tutu style ruffle coming off of it and the idea is that it's made to match her dress it looks all one of a kind specifically made for her i was just like this this stocking is puke And it's not because the movie's dated, which the movie was only like 2016 or something. Yeah, it's very recent. <laughs> I don't know. But they they have this great exchange where she's like, did we just win the game? <laughs> and then 
which is like, first of all, you're the party planner and the owner of the house. Like you're the party player and you're the one throwing the party. If two people should not be allowed to win a game at the party, it's those two people. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then she says, well, I wonder what the prize is. Like no one who's planned and it's throwing this party has thought of what the plan is exactly. with the prizes <laughs> no mention of what the actual prize is well i wonder what the prize is and then he says just a key <laughs> wonderful piece of script writing he says i think i'm looking at it <laughs> amazing oh my god Nick and Angie dance and apparently fall in love in like a minute flat as he pulls her off to a balcony off to the side to get to know each other. And all we really need to know is that he's a spoiled rich kid whose mother thinks he's had the world handed to him, despite the fact that he works really hard and she's just a girl trying to be brave, as she puts it. There's a lot of talk about how they're finally being their real selves with each other tonight under the anonymity of these masks, which is how you know someone's really themselves when they're hiding themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like really interesting that it's just the dialogue is like, we'll just say how we're our real selves rather than say who our real selves are. Um, it's very expository. Uh, and then they almost kissed when they're interrupted by an announcement that it's almost midnight and any winners should come and claim their prize. Somehow shocked at the realization that she'll have to ditch the mask, reveal herself and be seen at the party. Angie runs off and leaves her Christmas stocking behind. Wink, wink, nug, nudge, nudge. It's Cinderella <laughs> after all. As she runs into Zella, Zelda, the dressmaking godmother who tries to convince her to stay and see what new directions her life might take. But alas, she quickly changes into catering clothing and longingly looks from the kitchen as Nicholas is stranded, devastated, <laughs> waiting for his match to claim their prize. <laughs> I went through a, I blew through a lot because yeah. quite frankly, we do not need to play by play this entire Chris masquerade ball. It's just, however, it's a shit show of a party. It's a shit show of a party. The people walking on stilts. <laughs> I do want to give a space though, for if there was anything you wanted to specifically call out. Uh, mm. I want to say the, uh, I think the, the scene, I mean, this whole scene is really hilarious to me. I couldn't mm -hmm. stop laughing, <laughs> but I think the funniest part of this scene is when, um, they're announcing the stalking and yes. Max, who's the best friend, he's like emceeing the whole thing. And, uh, he's, he's like, whose stalking does this belong to? And he's like, well, miss, I hope you're stuck in a powder room <laughs> with a broken lock. And by the looks of it, and then he puts his hand on Nick's shoulder and is like, you've broken his heart. I can't, like, there is no justice to the delivery of that line. That was amazing. Kudos to that actor because 
I could not stop fucking laughing. I'm like, is this an <laughs> SNL scene we're watching right now? <laughs> it was so overtly dram- dramatized. Yes. And like the Nicholas's character like is like looking down in Oh my sad, gosh. Like He's a, so dejected. <laughs> like a five-year-old who just lost his first little league game. <laughs> like like charlie brown who just missed kicking the football yet again yes oh it was so good i couldn't stop laughing i had to rewind it a couple times it's one of my favorite scenes in this movie uh so bingo in this section has quite a few more we've got a competition whatever that stalking competition was and Interrupted Almost Kiss, which actually happens twice. We've got Zelda, the wise sage, imparting advice to Angie to stay and, you know, examine the unknown in her life. We have a falling in love montage, which was my favorite part of this whole (laughs) ball, which is that multiple times we just kept seeing slow motion him twirling her dancing yeah Yeah. (laughs) and it's how we know like they're falling in love they're twirling to the left they're twirling to the right (laughs) they're twirling upstairs they're twirling downstairs they're both smiling from ear to ear and look like a bunch of idiots (laughs) we have a speaking of um looking like idiots no (laughs) we have masked identities (laughs) which is you know a common cinderella trope in some way uh holiday ball midnight curfew and a fairy godmother i think by this point you know zelda went from like overly creepy kindly dress tailor to full-on fairy godmother when she starts imparting advice about how she needs to stick around and do um you know just take some chances in her life well she's also at the party which was weird there's like 20 people at this party and she's one of them i mean it's the party to end all parties i don't know why you wouldn't be surprised that she would be there but also (sighs) no there's literally 20 people there i think i counted 20 (laughs) okay so (laughs) and that's i'm not like trying to be a jerk but like okay who who how important of a person is he really supposed to be like Nicholas? I'm trying to think, I was kind of thinking like, I guess he's supposed to be kind of compared to like a, like a Kennedy or something. Yeah. Right? Like a social, like, a socialite, yeah, sure. socialite guy who is like in high demand that someone would want that women just want to date him to try to get the family money. But if you're doing that, like you are throwing a humongous party for Christmas or you're throwing like, I guess, some sort of intimate, like close friends and family locally at my house. But no matter what, you're not throwing a party that the local dress tailor is attending. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That he doesn't even know, by the way. Max invited her. Such a good point. I forgot about that. (laughs) When we 
find that out later. Yeah. yeah, he's like, you guys know each other? And Max is like, yes, I hang out with the plebeians. <laughs> Me and the other underfolk here in the world. While you just love your, live your, like, up in the stars life, Nicholas. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Um, okay. <laughs> This, this movie <laughs> act three we hit act three um the girl i'm looking for actually likes me <laughs> and the next day angie opens nick's stocking and falls in love all over again with the idea of the prince charming that's in her head while he calls everyone on the list to the party to try to track his mystery woman down, which as we were just saying, shouldn't be too hard because nine people are at this party. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Like, oh, well, that's right? it. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, it must be a plus one. He's determined to figure it out. Even if it means calling everyone who was hired by the event planner to do it, who just so happens to be downstairs in his home, cleaning up from the party. They literally run into each other again, and he barely recognizes Angie and completely blows her off to go talk with her cousin again, who apologizes for standing him up the night before. Okay, so neither of them is the girl that he's looking for. No further investigation needed on that lead. <laughs> he seems to write that off pretty quickly. Um, he has another completely off-seeming bro chat with his BFF who asks him, how do you propose to find her? And that's it. <laughs> Nick Good. decides. <laughs> Good golly, old chap. Got it. I think you've got it. <laughs> My goodness, that's it. Nick decides that he'll find her by proposing on the internet and announcing that the prize of the stocking game is getting married to him on Christmas Eve, which is in like two weeks. So that's not insane or anything. <laughs> the like conclusions that he jumps to that quickly are insane to me. <laughs> what? The prize is to marry him? <laughs> like, just say that out loud. Literally, who makes the prize of a game marriage to themselves? Like, he's Was like... the prize all along? <laughs> I literally I want to know what the original prize was it was like probably like dinner for two somewhere and then he's like nah 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 marriage to me he's like oh this is how I'm gonna get the uh you know the girls to the, the girl yes well <laughs> the girls the way to he's come. Especially if he's like, oh, the things he knows about her, like, she's a hard worker, she's worried she won't fit in, and she says she's just trying to be, be brave, and then she takes off before she's going to need to take her mask off. He's like, aha, propose to her publicly, blindly, that'll get it. <laughs> it's just it, like, <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> Another plot hole. <laughs> so 
now Angie knows who her Prince Charming is, but she's not sure that she sold on the Playboy in the tabloid magazines. It doesn't match up to the man that she met. So she goes to see. Only he still does not recognize her at all again. And now that's like three times that they have met and talked face to face, like literally run into each other, said hello, said what their names were, and he still does not recognize her. So I don't blame her for being completely put off and telling him so. I'm going to state the obvious and say, how does he not recognize her with those lips seriously they're the most recognizable lips in hollywood (laughs) how can you not tell it's it's definitely along the lines of clark kent wearing glasses and you have (laughs) no idea that he's superman (laughs) like if cinderella wears a mask over her eyes you'll never see how pouty her lips are um okay so (laughs) there's this exchange between them that genuinely had me like cackle laughing he goes i've met more outstanding women than men most men do in their entire lives Mm -hmm. so for a woman to stand out to me is rare and she retorts back i was dying she's like in my experience it's very rare for you to remember a woman at all i was like that's actually hilarious (laughs) snap Angie, tell him. She delivers it really well. And he is like so put off by her where he's like, well, it couldn't be you because you don't even like me. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) yeah, well, you're an ass. (laughs) They're clearly not getting along. He legit is a full on ass and she's not having any of it. Um, He's convinced that any woman would want to marry him. And she legit laughs in his face over that. And I think that's fantastic. I'm living for this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that she stands up for herself. Yes. They agree to work on planning the party without seeing each other. And she goes home to fume to her pet rabbit about how terrible he is. (laughs) Again, girlfriend needs some friends. (laughs) People that she's not paying to talk to her. (laughs) Candace goes to return the dress from the ball and figures out that Angie wore it and went. So she devises a plan to convince Nicholas it really was her who was there all along and will offload the event planning business to Angie in the process. It's a win-win Nicholas loses is what I'd like to call that. And speaking of Nicholas, though, he's waved the white flag with Angie and begun to play nice by helping set up the wedding decor as he slowly starts to piece together that his mystery girl disappeared. Hmm. Just as Angie showed up to clean up after the masquerade. Huh? Let's get Sherlock involved. My God, Johnny O'Pal. I think we figured it out here. That was three different accents. (laughs) It was a melange of potpourri, if you will. You're a character from uh, Princess for Christmas. (laughs) One character. (laughs) What? Tell me it's a lie. (laughs) 
uh, too bad Candace throws a wet blanket on their nice moment when she walks in and announces that she's the girl of his dreams. We end the act as Angie watches breaking news on the television. <laughs> Just need to note that. <laughs> that the infamous bachelor Nicholas Carmichael has found his bride to be and she's wondering if she made the right decision to lie about it. I want to talk about the dialogue very quickly of Absolutely. When, when Nicholas is piecing together that mm -hmm. wait a second. So he says, "I do remember you now. You said you worked the ball after midnight. She disappeared at midnight." And then she's like, I thought you ruled me out because the woman has to like you. And he was like, oh, you like me. I can tell. And she's like, well, you don't like me. So, and he's like, I like you. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like this dialogue makes, do you like shrimp sound like Shakespeare? <laughs> Again, shout out a princess for Christmas. <laughs> And it's just like when they were, this person or they, writers, I don't know, when they were writing this dialogue, it's like, do they know how humans talk? It's just On like, this is how humans talk, <laughs> robotic dialogue. I like you. I like you too. <laughs> That's what this is. It's very fourth grade, I feel like. It's yes. Like, well, you can't like me because I don't like you. Well, I, well, what if I like you? Well, if I like you, then maybe you like me. And then maybe we could be liked by each other. Ooh. This <laughs> is like, every single conversation that these two people have. It sounds like they're children. And yes. it's very confusing because everyone else has, has passable dialogue. Everyone yeah. else, every character in this movie sounds fine. A lot of witty one-liners. Especially so, from Candace. Candace and uh, her, um, Angie's uh, server friends. Yes. Everyone has some witty one-liners. And then it's yeah. like children talking to each other. <laughs> Bingo in this section is pretty minimal. We've just got a holiday proposal and some mistaken identity. Act four there's an Oscar Wilde quote for that. <laughs> what is up on the fucking Oscar Wilde quotes? They were like, what makes a girl deep? <laughs> Qu quoting Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Um, after all her complaining about Nicholas needing to settle down, his mother is absolutely disgusted in his choice of Candace, and it's hilarious and uh, delicious. <laughs> Angie overhears Nicholas's conversation with his mother about marrying for love and happiness rather than just to get his inheritance. And this is why you don't tie money to marriage. Uh-huh. <laughs> It seems so obvious. If she's going to say, I will accept your proposal for the business if you propose to someone to get married, and then he does, and then she's going to turn around and be like, well, I don't think you should just propose to someone to get married. It's like, what do you want from him? <laughs> well, no, but wasn't it like her father, um, sorry, wasn't it Nicholas's father's terms in order to get the inheritance? Is that- Absolutely. Married? So- 
and she, and the first time they talk she's like get married nicholas and then it's like oh don't marry her nicholas <laughs> like, yeah i mean i get it don't marry her nicholas but like, it's just, <laughs> i was just like this mother is really difficult to please yeah. um Okay, I made a note here since we've already like paused and are chatting through some of this. Candace in like this section of the movie is wearing a hot pink dress with a bright red blazer and bright yellow necklace. Period. (laughs) (laughs) I just needed that to be stated. (laughs) No. Who dressed this woman? Uh... I don't know what they were going for with her character. Like, it's like she has loud taste. Like, she has a loud personality. But, like, the next the next outfit that she wears is a red, like, yeah. jumper, shorts jumper with yep. bright blue, like, cobalt blue high heels. Yeah. Everything is just color, sing- like, individual colors. I just found it really odd and I've... very distracting. Um, Candace is obviously nothing like Angie. So Nicholas starts to pick up pretty quickly on the differences in his new fiance. So they do that thing that no one has ever done in the history of ever and gotten away with even in movies where Candace wears an earpiece so Angie can tell her what to say (laughs) why is this in so many movies (laughs) so many tv shows but the more Nicholas gets to know Candace the less certain he is about her so he has a heart-to-heart with Angie where he first asks if they're friends then basically tells her he's in love with her instead it's like a very very confusing dtr yeah (laughs) what (laughs) yeah they i'm not the only one there um they have yet another interrupt interrupted almost kiss and now angie is more confused than ever as are we angie Mm -hmm. as are we But Candace gets really manipulative and basically threatens that Angie will lose her family, her career, and her new friendship with Nicholas if she tells the truth. She's trapped in a web of lies and deceit, so now it's all up to Nick. He starts a reconnaissance mission using the items of the mystery girl's Christmas stocking, which leads him to Zelda, the Taylor godmother, who sets the record straight on who was at the ball that night. Uh Uh-oh, Candace. Nick surprises Candace with the dress and basically demands that she try it back on. But when it's finally clear that everything he loves most is all about Angie, Candace manipulates him too, saying that she's helping plan his wedding. So obviously she doesn't love him back. Nick catches up with Angie the night before the big day and he lays all the cards on the table Do you think I should get married by tomorrow? Speak now or forever hold your peace, he says. They finally have an honest conversation and both like each other, but both feel that they cannot trust each other. So, hey, definitely don't get married to each other or anyone else tomorrow then, right, guys? 
but that's not the holiday spirit. (laughs) We close out the act with a sad cemetery monologue where Angie tells her parents graves that she misses them and has to do the right thing. So she's going to go tell Nicholas the truth, regardless of what happens as a result. One thing I wanted to mention is that I like that there isn't an evil stepmother character in the movie. Um, Cause I'm like really over that trope. And so she just lives with her uncle and like, he kind of fulfills, I guess, whatever parental role would be there, but he is a loving father figure and he is kind, albeit very blinded by his daughter. I just want to bring up the, a really funny one-liner, another one from Candace. Please. (laughs) Where she says, the beef can practically puff itself at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Um, Candace, for that. (laughs) Speaking of Candace one-liners, I didn't note this, but it was like my favorite was when she, he's like, can you give me an Oscar Wilde quote? Can you give me a quote at all? And she's like, quotes are for nerds. Candace. (laughs) I almost made that the like title of the section. (laughs) That scene was really funny too. And you know, he like, he's showing her the picture of the bunny. Yes. And she goes, that's my ferret. he's like is it here in the house no it died (laughs) she's so yeah i actually yeah you're right i think she is my favorite actress (laughs) in this and i do think she has the best acting in this she she has the best lines she has the best acting good job candace Bingo for this section has, we've got a few. We've got a love triangle getting very complicated. At this point, we can definitely say there is no chemistry between the lead actors. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, We have another Santa suit. Felt like it was worth noting because her uncle wants to wear a Santa suit to the wedding. And I think that's adorable and hilarious i do too i thought that was so cute (laughs) and then we have a declaration of love from uh nicholas to angie when he's basically saying you know are you sure i should go get married and i want to be with you act five we both love me (laughs) another great line from nicholas (laughs) it's the day of the wedding Christmas Eve, and Angie's determined to tell the truth. Come what may. Candace is all dolled up. Nicholas is playing chicken using the wedding to try to get Angie to call his bluff. Do those mixed metaphors work okay? Um, even his mother accepted, has accepted the sad fate that he's going to marry Candace. Angie finally starts to become the brave person she's been talking about wanting to be all movie long. And she starts by telling Candace off to her face. It's delicious. (laughs) But Candace isn't having it. She declares that they need some time apart. And then she locks Angie out of the house. (laughs) Just as Nicholas shows up to tell Candace it's over. And then Nicholas's mom pops in to tell her, oh, hey, everyone just heard everything because your microphone is turned on. 
that was deliciously ridiculous line delivery awful also (laughs) victoria the mom she was so good in that scene she had her champagne in her hand and she was like darling we heard you outside both conversations both conversations and then takes her swig and i'm like yes (laughs) yes victoria that is the line delivery of a woman who has been on years of soap operas absolutely (laughs) angie tries to find nicholas after he has called the wedding off but he doesn't want to see her so now angie's devastated nick's devastated candace is devastated Candace's father has finally learned how truly awful his daughter is, and Nick's mother is frankly ecstatic. It's great. (laughs) Um, She grants him his inheritance after all, saying that canceling the wedding showed that he has the maturity that he needed all along. He's still upset he didn't get the girl until his mother reminds him that he hasn't exactly been honest with her either. Angie gets home dejected, but Candace and her uncle stop her to apologize for being terrible and insecure and insensitive and above judge of reality. They gift her the catering company and, okay, is it me or has this all resolved way too easily for a lifetime of hardship and gaslighting? Mm -hmm. They're all like, go get him. Everything's wonderful now. (laughs) I'm like glad that they came to some good realizations, but I was just like, whiplash. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's okay. So this entire movie, we have built it up that Candace is a gold digging, shallow sociopath. Like she's legit a sociopath. Yeah. Let's make it very clear. And all of a sudden, she has this heart-to-heart with her dad and acknowledges that she's only been jealous of Angie because of this sibling rivalry sort of thing. And I don't buy that, man. I really don't. Why do we have to make her turn into this completely different character that she's not? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. That's the crux of it. It's like, it's so out of character at the end. And it's like, I've always just felt like I was not as good as you and you guys have more things in common. So that's why I've been a complete and utter nightmare and a sociopath. And they're like, Oh, okay. Forgiven sisters. Yay. Yeah. What? No, (laughs) I don't know. Um, But we don't come to these movies for reality. (laughs) So when Candace no. tells <laughs> with that, we really do not. Um, so when Candace tells a very confused Angie to go get him, I guess it's rather sisterly and sweet is what they're going for. Mm. Yeah. Nicholas is standing in their very, very sadly decorated living room and apologizes for running off, lying, not immediately recognizing who Angie was and a host of other things. And she apologizes for getting brave way too late. They resolve to work on their timing as he proposes for the third time in this movie. (laughs) And they get married and kiss in front of a shit ton of poinsettias. All nine people with speaking roles in this movie are at the wedding. I counted them. (laughs) 
plus two very random children that we've never seen who also managed to disappear right after they've like walked down the aisle with rings. Who are these kids? <laughs> like genuinely, whose kids are they? <laughs> because so it's confused. the people at this wedding are, I don't even think there was a pastor at the wedding. Okay, let's count. Okay, but no, like real talk. Okay, so we've got Angie. Okay, well, Angie, Nick. Nicholas, Nick's his, mom. His mom. Uh, her uncle. Yes. Candace. Candace. Was Candace? Was like, yeah. Yeah, Candace, yeah, Candace the catches the bouquet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Candace at the wedding. Okay. The, and then the two friends. The two worker friends. And then okay. the friend who, uh, his, his BFF guy Max, friend. Zelda. Yeah. And then Zelda. That's it. Nine people. Nine that people. That was it. Whose kids are these? Who? Wh- whose children are they? And also who's the one marrying them? <laughs> We're like we we can't hire another we can't hire another person. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a fantastic end to whatever this movie is. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to bring up from no. this section of the movie? <laughs> I'm ready for bingo. <laughs> okay. okay, bingo to wrap it up. We've got a mean girl at the party which is a common cinderella movie style trope with candace obviously then we jump right back into our typical holiday rom-com tropes with someone learning a lesson jilted at the altar a holiday breakup with candace a declaration of love again (laughs) (laughs) this time for real a wedding and then they top it off with two cute kids (laughs) because they know we play bingo (laughs) yeah they were like let's give them one more where's jenny why honestly at the wedding why was it jenny like hopping down with the rings tied like around her neck that would have been cuter and i feel like it would have like been better for their budget too would have been better for their budget i here's my theory it's like the kids of someone it's like the director's kids or something for sure i don't know why they put these kids in it it was so jarring (laughs) um speaking of bingo adding in bingo things to check off the center square the most what the hell moment (laughs) this one (laughs) (laughs) if you've got to pick your favorite thing that happened in this movie that you've never seen or can't imagine you would see in another one what would it be uh the woman wearing a white suit walking around the ball in stilts (laughs) like i guess she's there to solely just get down the stockings for people like that's their clever idea of we've got a wall of stockings but it was it was very weird considering how sparsely populated this party was yeah yeah i okay and so another thing just about this woman and the stilts yeah i don't know if i'm overthinking this but i don't know if you noticed her attire she's wearing like this white pantsuit right yeah yeah, and underneath, she has like this like 
really robin's egg blue blouse and like a white-ish bib on it and it almost kind of gave me alice in wonderland vibes it a hundred percent was alice in wonderland vibes and yeah and you know where i'm going with this because she was red mask on because Emma Rigby, who plays Angie, was, was the white queen, red queen, red queen, red in queen. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And I was yep. like, am I overthinking this? Is this an Easter egg? And I'm glad you saw it too. I absolutely saw it. I absolutely thought it. I was like, this feels like a weirdly Alice in Wonderland party. And I thought like, oh, it's maybe it's supposed to be because it's an Alice in Wonderland theme. And then I was like, no, it's a Cinderella themed movie, not in Alice in Wonderland. Right. Like I got like, that made me like cross on my Disney yeah. <laughs> tropes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely noticed it. So good job. Good <laughs> I don't job. know if it was an, I don't know if it was an intended Easter egg, but it, it was there in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your center square? Okay. My favorite is what after Nicholas has made his internet proposal to marry whoever the woman was that he met (laughs) at the ball, then the next scene we see is, uh, I almost called her Emma, is, (laughs) is, uh, the next scene we see is Angie driving up to the gate of the house and there are seven women who are standing (laughs) up. I counted them who are standing outside of the gate and they're all like jumping and flailing and screaming and like Nicholas, Nicholas. (laughs) And he, and then it cuts to him like, (laughs) hiding and looking up like scared like and he's like he's like oh i may have made a mistake and it's like don't the seven women standing outside of your gate (laughs) i want to like get a read on their chemistry from you obviously i've denoted that i think that they have no chemistry but like on a scale of one to ten what do you feel like the chemistry is between our lead actors I'd say maybe a four. Yeah. Uh, and because that reflects their age that they sound like. Simple <laughs> discussion that they have. <laughs> they, they literally sound like preschoolers talking to each other. <laughs> I like Christmas. The stocking is my favorite part. I like you. Do you like me? Because I like you. <laughs> Come Dead on. on. Come on. Dead on. Dead on. Um, I feel I, I gave them a two and I, and I gave them a two because I really enjoyed when she's, when he's playing really sincere, like, oh, all women love me. That's just my experience in life. And she's being like a total ass to him about it and calling him on it. I find it hilarious. And I feel like that kind of chemistry works for them where he's like I'm wonderful and dumbfounded and she's like you're dumb <laughs> I found that really great that's the only time where I've been like I I like to see the interactions between them yeah beyond Those that the most authentic I think the, yeah you know and I can see why someone like him would would 
be attracted to her because Mm -hmm. she doesn't she calls him out on his bullshit and i guess that is that really is authentically the most uh believable part of their relationship is that she calls him out she calls him out and that she's most likely unlike the other women that he has dated right but um because i would imagine the other women are a lot more like candace but if that's the case like he he's not in love with her he's interested in not dating what he's dated before right (laughs) learning the random little facts that you've been finding about these movies is fast becoming my favorite part of our conversations so i'm really curious what trivia you've cooked up for this week kel Mm, well we're calling it the facts of life check this week (laughs) (laughs) uh if it wasn't obvious already uh you recognize zelda the fairy godmother seamstress uh, is played by Mindy Cohn, who is known as Natalie from the 80s sitcom The Facts of Life. Absolutely. And uh, we've already established that this is another Mar Vista banger. So I really want to get into the rest of the heavy hitters that are in this film because we've got quite a few. Fantastic. Our, director, our director is Tosca Musk, as wow. in There's Elon's. A name. As in Elon's sister. Whoa. She's uh, produced one of my favorite. She's done a couple, uh, actually a couple. She's done, she has a really long resume of production and directing um, for these types of films. Uh, She has produced one of my favorite TV movies, Holiday Engagement. Oh, okay. Nice. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. We mentioned Emma Rigby. Uh, a while back uh, she is the British actress that was in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland she played the Red Queen I thought that she was really good uh, in this role I think maybe I mean I think the bar has been let the bar has been set so low I think I was just incredibly impressed by the fact that her American accent was passable her American accent was very passable and I didn't even know that she was a British actress until I looked yeah. it up so uh yeah the bar has been set very low uh she didn't annoy me I think some of the things that she did you know like some of the the things that she was doing like you know the pouty lip thing and um the looking like she's sad and crying all the time um but I I don't know I wasn't really bothered by her performance at all yeah um Leslie Ann Down played Victoria Nick's mom and uh, she is actually a very legendary actress. She has done a lot of lead roles, really big in the 70s. Uh, she's she's played, very familiar. Yes. She played opposite Peter Sellers in the Pink Panther Strikes Again oh. film. Uh, she starred opposite Harrison Ford in Hanover Street. Uh, she was opposite Sean Connery in the first great train robbery. Uh, and then she was also opposite North and South. Uh, sorry, she was also starring opposite Pratchett Swayze in the North and South TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's done quite a lot of work. She's also done soap opera work, which is pretty obvious as well. Um, just thought that she had a really, really cool resume. It was, it was, uh, I was quite impressed and I could see, you know, obviously how that translated into this character that yes. she played. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder if they were like, can you do an American accent? And she like got a glass of champagne out and went, no, darling. And then she's like, (laughs) 
tossed it back. I liked her character too. Uh, oh, she, yeah, had, she had some really good one-liners. Lucy DeVito plays Lara, and she played one of uh, Angie's catering buddies. She, uh, I thought she had a lot of one- funny one-liners as well. Um, I think she is said, this like Danny DeVito? This is Danny mm-hmm. DeVito and Rhea Perlman's daughter. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I love it. I, love I know it exactly too. which one. And I, I like, oh my see God, Rhea Perlman in her. Them. Yeah. He's adorable. That's the, uh, that wraps up my uh, facts of life section of the week. The facts and those are the facts of life. Mm-hmm. Um, would you recommend this movie? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was thoroughly entertained by this movie. Uh, I, I say come for the awkward conversations between Angie and Nick and stay for the beefy puffs. <laughs> come for the one-liners from Candace. Stay for the one-liners from Candace. <laughs> Leave with the one-liners from Candace. <laughs> Do you, I mean, would you recommend it? I, this was not the, I, this was not the first time I've seen this movie. Same, I, re- same. I recall being like, oh, this is a joy. This one's a pleasure and I need to rewatch this again. Absolutely. One of my housemates like sat down to, put her shoes on while I was watching it and it was the scene right when they're like did we just win the game with their stockings (laughs) and she looked over and just gave the most confused look to the television and I was like oh I know (laughs) and so I would say for those who for those who love terrible cheesy lines this is a great movie like if you're watching with someone who doesn't appreciate the you know hilarious horribility then pass on them and save it to watch by yourself because it'll be a fun time (laughs) i seriously was cackling (laughs) throughout this movie i'm so very entertained by this movie so thank you marvista for another another holiday banger keeping us smiling and laughing (laughs) through this very covid christmas (laughs) Uh, well on that that is our show we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of meet cute and mistletoe And we also hope that you enjoyed a Cinderella Christmas. Bye. (laughs) Subscribe to Meet Cute and Mistletoe wherever you get your podcasts. Write a review, share with your friends, check out our website at meetcuteandmistletoe.com to get the episode recipes and more. And connect with us on social at mcmistletoepod on Twitter and Meet Cute and Mistletoe on all other platforms. Meet Cute and Mistletoe is produced by Kelly Ray and Lindsay Hathaway. Music and audio by Grendel. Artwork by Renee Granillo.